This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Chris Sherrill, 41KY. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, uh, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, I am super excited about our show and our special guest today. Um, once again, we are having a guest um, hailing from the great state of Texas, uh, Katy, Texas, to be specific. And uh, we have some high accelerating men down there and men that just are really willing to share and wanting to be an asset to the packs at large. And so once again, our guest is coming from that area, but we're going to be conquering or tackling a, a subject that I think is super important for all of us to remember um, and know more about. In fact, we've seen this particular thing um, affect packs in our local region. I've heard stories across the nation from other packs who have also experienced some similar um, experience with it. And um, it's really can be life-threatening if not taken serious. And, and what we're going to be talking about today is for uh, short, uh, rhabdo or rhabdomyelosis or lysis, however you want to pronounce it, and the severity of it. So maybe that's something you're familiar with, or maybe this is a term you've never heard of before. But uh, I'm going to bring in our special guest so that he can kind of share some of his personal experience with it. Uh, and uh, you guys can learn more about uh, his own journey through it and what he learned along the way. And my guest today is Chris Sherrill, or otherwise known as KY in the gloom. Uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invite. Uh, so tell me a little bit about um, where you're at. Uh, I, I mentioned already Katy, Texas, but uh, give us a little background of, of, of if you're always from that area, are you new to that area, and how'd you learn about F3 and why the name KY? <laughs> sure. So, uh, so uh, the name, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll weave it into the story, but, uh, but originally from Kentucky, which is a little bit of part of the name, uh, I found F3 uh, through uh, so a short stint of, of time I spent in just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, in a, in a city called Somerville, South Carolina. Uh, found F3 in 2017, so that's about five years uh, being in the gloom for myself. Uh, absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, and just like a lot of us in the packs, right, we, we talk about F3 uh, saving our lives and, and changing the trajectory. Uh, and that is where I, I was at. So it spent uh, three years uh, in, I'm sorry, two years in Somerville and then moved back to, uh, to Katy. And that I've been in Katy since late 2018. Uh, when I moved back, uh, the, the region was uh, just starting to, to hit its stride. So I uh, got to be part of the, the growth of the region and uh, eventually be moved from Houston to the Katy subregion. And uh, here I am now. Primarily post, uh, you know, I'm one of those wanderers, so I wander all over the the, uh, the area. But the, my home AO is the station here in Katy. So uh, love those guys out there. Do a great job of uh, pushing the envelope and keeping me uh, keeping my fitness at the forefront. So the last question you asked me was about where my name came from. Uh, so I gave a little bit of it, right? So originally, I wasn't born in Kentucky, but spent the majority of my life early life in, in, in Kentucky. So uh, uh, like many of us, we were given the warning on, on the naming and uh, given some pointers on how to, to extract the best name possible in there. So I had, had done that, right? So I talked a lot about uh, the things from my career, my life, um, the Kentucky Colonel, uh, Horse Farm, right? All those stereotypical stuff that uh, that's Kentucky. And uh, the naming ceremony just kept on going and going and going. And they finally asked me about my career. Uh, I worked for a major oil company 
So uh, they kept on digging into that and found out that I worked for lubricants. And as soon as they said that, that is where KY came from. So it's stuck from there. Uh, I've always taken the stance of when you get a name like that, you're either going to run from it or own it. And I've taken the, I'm just going to own the name KY. And so that is why I am uh, so known as the, as the KY. Yeah, that's that's a great story, and 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 like you said, you you pop a word out like lubricant, and all of a sudden people are <laughs> going to jump all over it. But you know, to 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 your defense, you have kind of a, a double stand or a double, um, I guess, meaning behind it with the state of Kentucky also yeah. being abbreviated KY. So you were down in South Carolina originally when you learned about F3, you said in mm -hmm. Somerville, uh, was it yep. just one of those things that you ran into somebody that was doing it down there and you got invited out into the gloom or you just showed up one morning? What was the genesis of that? Yeah, sure. So uh, I, my proud papa is a gentleman named Muscadine. He's uh, still uh, an active member down there. I remember him, I was working out at the gym, right? And as a lot of us that worked at the gym, you know, using plates and such like this, right? Uh, doing the, the big three, the deadlifts, the squats and, uh, and the bench presses and, you know, moving some, uh, some respectable weight. I won't say that I was moving anything massive. And then uh, my friend uh, Muscadine, Gave me the pitch, right? He gave me the pitch of joining F3. He's like, it's great. You'll uh, you'll love it, right? It's a bunch of guys. They work out in the morning, uh, and uh, and we work out with with cinder blocks and and um, and bricks. And I'm on my side, going, oh, that sounds cute, right? Uh, cinder blocks and and bricks, and you know, and I, I just like working out by myself. So I resisted him for about uh, you know. I got three or four months and then finally uh, something clicked, right? Uh, that I realized that I needed a change in my, uh, in my personal, um, personal approach. So I took him up on his offer and I remember the first time uh, there was, you're going to probably find a, a, a theme as we talk through this. Uh, the first time I committed so much to it that I, I literally saw the cone of consciousness coming in on me and uh, nearly passed out my first one. Uh, and when I come back to it, I fell in love with it. And ever since then, been, uh, been neck deep in, in F3 and everything that's, uh, that's been with. That's awesome. And so you were in Somerville posting. Then when you got transferred, I guess you transferred out to Katie for job that's purposes. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. Oil industry out there, I'm assuming, maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yep. so you're out there. How long did it take you to get plugged back into Katie's uh, F3 culture? You know, it, uh, it took uh, a while, to be honest, and a while is a couple of months. Uh, so one of the things that I was really hesitant about moving away from Somerville was that I had enjoyed F3 so much and it had changed my life so much that I was reluctant to leave it. Uh, and when we moved back to the Houston area, I was, uh, I was missing that. Uh, and, and truth be told, right, I, I moped around for a couple months, right? And finally, my wife was, uh, my youngest, she said, you, you got to find out F3, right? If it's not here, start it, because uh, I, was, I was just killing her. So uh, I started poking around, and luckily, I found uh, all the way on the other side, right? Uh, if you know the Houston area, Katie's on the west side of the city. I found a, a ruck that was going on on the northeast side of the city. It was about an hour away. Uh, Trojan was the guy who, who invited me out just a uh, 20 mile. If you know, that that's, uh, that, uh, that event is a 20 mile overnighter showed up in the gloom, met those guys, went on 20 miles with them. And, uh, and so that was it. Right. So it took about, I think we moved in September. Uh, I, no, I'm sorry. I moved in August. The family moved in, in, uh, in October. And I think it was about December timeframe when I finally got hooked back in with Trojan and the summer of the, the, the Houston group with, uh, with it all. And since then, I uh, found out that there was uh, an AO just about 10 miles away from me and, um, and got looped in and been with it ever since. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you speak, you know, I think what a lot of guys feel, especially, you know, when they have to leave their home region and, and the 
uncertainty of how to a get plugged back in with f3 in general mm -hmm. uh, you know in case something's not even available but uh, even if there is something available it's about kind of getting back into that culture because the the beautiful thing about f3 is as much as you know a lot of us are very similar and the vernacular is pretty similar throughout the country you know the the purpose of it is is community led or or, yeah. or localized led uh, by those PACS members that are affected in that region. And so sometimes culturally, it can be a little bit different from one region to another. And, and just kind of uh, longing for that is something I've heard quite a bit from a lot of guys that have been in a similar situation as yourself. In fact, we just had a guy here recently move away um, from our local region. And, you know, that was one of the angst is how do I get plugged back in? Now he was moving to a place that already has a pretty established um, F3 culture, but uh, even then, it's it, it's different, right? It's it's about kind of finding um, your 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 group again, and it looks like you know, and and to your point, will will probably be the theme of today is this hard charger that you are. It sounds <laughs> like you not only drove an hour away because Houston's a, a a large geographic area. Um, uh, it, it absolutely is, and so to drive that far and then not just do a boot camp. I mean, you went for the 20 miler overnight, uh, hard charge, uh, which, you know, is good for people to do, but at the same time can get people in trouble. And, and I think that's what <laughs> yeah. we're going to kind of talk about a little bit. So to kind of switch gears, um, KY, let's, let's kind of dive into a little bit about your own ex uh, experience and, and really kind of the topic and the message that we want to share the listeners today. And so first and foremost, just a little background about Rabdo. If you've never heard of it, um, it's essentially the breakdown of damaged muscles um, in, in our body. And usually it happens because uh, we've overused them. It can happen because of blunt force trauma. It can happen because of medications. It can happen for a different variety of reasons. And one of the um, uh, misnomers I think people have is that rhabdo can happen or will happen to somebody that's out of shape or not um, uh, well fit. And sometimes mm -hmm. people think, oh, as long as I'm a fit person, as long as I'm quote unquote in shape, this is something that I may not um, experience, which is not the case at all. Uh, any one of us uh, that's willing to get out there and really push our limits can, can be subject to this. So with that background in place, um, tell us a little bit about what happened to you and some of the things that uh, you experienced as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so it was actually um, a little backstory in there. I had done my first so for the Go Ruck crowd, right? There's a back in the day, it was called the HTL. And now it's called the HTB, the, the heavy, tough, basic where you string together an entire weekend of a 24-hour event, a 12-hour event, and then a you know a six to eight hours event all in one weekend with uh, very little downtime, uh, and it's just uh, you know, the endurance events of endurance events, right? So uh, I had made myself a, a promise that you know for my long-term health that I wanted to do an HTL or HTB once a year all the way up till I was 50. Uh, so I was, in, I was actually in my second uh, one of those. I had finished one in, in Charleston uh, and uh, was going for my second one uh, here in Houston. Had a solid group of F3 guys around me. Some uh, you know, Trojan actually was in that group with me. So, uh, so among some other ones, some guys that, you know, I, the guys that, that like a lot of us uh, trust our lives with and had them around me the whole time. And, and you know, maybe the downside is that uh, that I sacrifice would well, I would sacrifice for them, right? So, uh, so as you get into the story, you'll hear that sacrifice is one of those things that uh, that caught, pushed me over the edge with that. Uh, so it was a an HTL at the time um, in uh, in Houston, and uh, Houston is another thing for it being known as hot. Uh, it was a memorial uh, the D Day ruck. Uh, HTL. So it was, uh, I was about three quarters of the way through the heavy when I started to recognize that something wasn't right. Um, so the, the temperatures where we were under uh, environmental warnings, heat warnings, I think that uh, you know, air temperature during the day was uh, peaking above 100, 
102, 103. So it was extremely hot here. So um, well, at least the story of it is, is that uh, uh, as I was going through that, I noticed that I was starting to cramp up and cramping in some places that I normally don't cramp. And, and when I say that, like it's, you know, at the, the base of my calves, not the calf itself, but uh, some weird spots like that. Maybe my, uh, my tricep was starting to, to cramp up. Oh, and what I did was I started to rationalize uh, what was going on. Um, for one, you know, my team was still needing me because uh, if you've been through those events, it's always about the team and, uh, and the self is always kind of the secondary uh, mindset in that. So I, I rationalized the, the, those cramps away of saying, hey, I know this is not right, but I'm going to listen to it and see if I can go just a little bit further. And uh, so, you know, uh, and of course, we go just a little bit further and all of a sudden they go away. I don't know if it's because I just ignored them or uh, if they actually went away or I just uh, you know, normalized to the point that they were just part of the what was going on. So that started about two or three o'clock in the morning when that happened. As we were going through the rest of the day, uh, I noticed that, um, you know, I started to get lightheaded. And I actually started talking to Cadre about me, you know, having trouble sweating. And it, you know, it gave me advice of continuing pressing water, pressing electrolytes, get them going. And, you know, we kind of did one of those sort of mental functional checks to make sure everything was, was in order. Uh, and, uh, and I passed, right? I'll, I'll admit that in, in my situation, right, the, the, the cadre and I were having some hard conversations about it. And I elected to continue to go with this, uh, with it. Uh, and, and I guess the part that really started to get me to the uh, to the the point of no return for myself was I was carrying a coupon, and I remember asking to carry the flag because I was starting to get uh, very lightheaded. Uh, I was starting to throw up, right? Throw up some just liquids and such like that. And uh, if you look back on it, you're like, "Holy smokes, you dummy!" I mean, you just check like ten of the boxes that. Uh, that, that go along with this one. Uh, we ended up, uh, just after that happened, the cadre popped smoke on us and, uh, and did a, a, a weird movement that's not normal for it, but I think they recognized that, uh, that things weren't going right for the, for the group. And they did an exfil, uh, where an exfil is when we moved away from where we were to a, to a, you know, a remote location. Um, we were charged with getting into uh, securing transportation. So we found some dude, gave him 20 bucks to drive us across the city in the back of his pickup truck. So I sat in the back of the truck, just uh, relaxing uh, in the cool, you know, the air was rushing over me. So I felt a ton better. And so I was like, you know, it's, uh, we'll, we'll be able to, I'll be able to make this, right? I've only got a couple more hours. I can push through this and, uh, and things will be just fine. Uh, so we get back to the, 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 to the, I guess the location of the, the, the final exercise movement, and we, we had to do a, a movement. It's, uh, it's a wide where you would do a three mile ruck and then you do, I think it was 12 rounds of four exercises with six reps of each. So you had to keep that mental game going the whole time. So I, uh, uh and then you finish it up with another three mile ruck with after that. I remember pushing through the, the first part because I knew that I was gonna struggle with the, uh, with the, the exercise parts. Um, you know, I can do a lot of rucking, I can do a lot of, handle a lot of pain, but just doing a lot of uh, repetitious activities, I knew that I was gonna struggle with it. And it was like, you know, push-ups, uh, ruck get-ups and such like that. So it was, it was a significant type of event that, that we were gonna do. Uh, so we got through, I got through the first uh, ruck. I remember picking up a bunch of leaves and putting them in my pocket to, uh, so I could help keep count of those rounds and those reps and such like that. Uh, because, I mean, as I said, right, you start doing that stuff, your mental acuity just goes away. And I was at least at that point, I have a sound mind to recognize that I'm not going to make it much further uh, with my mental acuity. So I, uh, it was funny because uh, I took my leaves out, set them on the ground, and then I kind of zoomed out to look at the bigger picture and realized they set this up under this tree that had leaves everywhere. So my, my plan was gone from the get-go. So, uh, so I lost track of my leaves, of course. Uh, and I remember doing a couple rounds and then, uh, and then waking up in hospital.
So, uh, you know, I lost, looking back on it, lost probably six or seven hours of unconsciousness. Uh, Turns out that I had a massive case of rhabdo and a massive heat stroke uh, alongside of it. So rhabdo, uh, I don't know if it could be quantified. I remember them talking about like 21,000. Maybe you know what that means. That by rhabdo limits, um, it was uh, the ketones or something like that. It was a 21,000. They were freaked out about that. Uh, and then my heat stroke, I hit an internal temperature of 109 uh, through that whole thing. So literally on the doorstep of death, uh, from what I, I was told on, the, on there, and if you know anything on that one, the, the coupling of those two together, it is uh, an absolute miracle that I'm standing here without any long-term effects or mental issues. So it, it's, uh, it's truly a miracle that I'm, uh, that I'm able to have this conversation, much less uh, you know, having it with, uh, with all my facilities with myself. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in here because you know you you've shared a lot so far, and and we can kind of maybe dive in a few things and and kind of you know tease out a few pointers here that yeah. hopefully can help some other people out. So, um, first of all, congrats on the previous HTL. I mean, that's a that's a huge accomplishment. We mm. I've never personally done that uh, specific you know, movement before, but we've, I've had close friends or PAX members do that. And that is a, that is a true testament to grit and willpower. And, and so for I mean, it's essentially a 48 hour event of, of, of just sleep deprivation. So in clarity, were you in the first heavy still at when yeah. that happened? So you were the first 24 hours that mm-hmm. this, this event happened. Okay. So just wanted to kind of get my timeline uh, correct in my head. So you know, within the first, um, you know, 24 hours, you've already started noticing some of these symptoms, you know, one being the muscle cramp, if you will. Um, and that is a very common uh, symptom uh, when, when it comes to this. Having said that, there's, there's ind- indications when people don't get symptoms until it's too late. And so, um, but to your point, if you're in the middle of these exercises and pushing yourself and already dehydrated, I think many of us, um, uh, you know, discount those, those feedbacks from our bodies, uh, you know, when it comes, comes that, especially like a muscle cramp or something, uh, and and specifically kind of work through that. Um, so just other, um, did you notice um, urine change? Because I know one of the another symptoms is like your urine becomes very dark, almost like a tea or cola color. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any of that as well as, as this was going on? No, not during the events. And uh, it's just probably going maybe, hopefully it doesn't get too uh, TMI, but uh, usually when I was getting to those events, I don't have that much uh, gotcha. output, right? Um, yeah. you know, I, I push the water and of course I'm sweating like crazy, uh, but, uh, it's dark and yeah. uh, I, I didn't I was just recognize anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but cause that can be a sign. And, and I bring that up too, just in case somebody else, uh, is, is kind of experiencing symptoms in the future. This is something to look for. Um, you know, kind of a full list would be muscle, muscle weakness, low urine output, fatigue, soreness, bruising. I mentioned the dark tea colored urine. Um, a fever, a malaise, or, you know, tiredness, if you will, nausea, vomiting, uh, confusion, <laughs> and agitation. So as you mentioned, a handful of those yeah, things are getting check. kind of checked off the list <laughs> as, as you are experiencing some of that, uh, but it doesn't always happen. And then so uh, just also for clarity, chances are the number that you're trying to remember or, or referring to as uh, creatine kinase is usually mm-hmm. what is elevated um, it's a part of the muscle breakdown. And what happens is when your muscle gets destroyed, the skeletal muscle starts to break down and it releases a few things into, you know, into the bloodstream. And so, well, really everything the muscle has is released into the bloodstream. And so our kidneys are responsible for taking that and filtering it out and kind of, you know, allowing us to urinate. Well, it's such an overload for the kidneys that they just kind of break down. And that's what happens is you and so you start accumulating these high levels of these things in the blood that's not supposed to be there. And one of them being potassium, which is a problem because then that throws off heart 
uh, arrhythmias and how the body heart, that's where it becomes like more life threatening is because these things start to becoming higher and higher. Um, but, uh, there's a protein called myoglobulin that's also released. And it's really the protein in the muscle that holds oxygen. And so that starts to accumulate into the blood that the body has to, to excrete. So that's kind of the mechanism behind the physiology, if you will, behind what's going on when someone's starting to, to experience this. And you kind of had a double whammy one, you were just using your muscles a lot, carrying heavy lifts and heavy things. But heat also plays a huge role in it because of dehydration. Um, and when we lose um, the liquid or when we're not hydrated, that inhibits the kidney's ability to dilute or it, 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 it makes your urine less diluted. So the kidneys have to work harder to filter out some of those things. So you kind of were getting that one-two punch that was just, um, you know, it's kind of setting you up. Uh, for, for, for disaster. Uh, had you ever had prior to that episode um, warning signs or symptoms in the weeks leading up to it? I mean, did you looking back, I know hindsight's always 2020. Yeah. Can you think of kind of up to that point, if you ever noticed uh, kind of into that, you know, because sometimes it's not just that one event that causes it. It's kind of like mm -hmm. the you know, proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. I was just curious if you had noticed things leading up to it that may, in retrospect, should have been a warning sign. Yeah, no, it's uh, looking back on it. Yes, there, I think so, right? And maybe this is a warning to the to our larger packs, right? Is that, uh, you know, historically, we don't uh, drink as much as we need to. Uh, and whenever I go to those events, I always double down, right, to try to do the prehydration uh, to get ahead of it. And um, and this one was rushed. I remember uh, uh, not having my full week of hydration that I usually try to do for these types of events. So uh, going into it, right, uh, habitually dehydrated, uh, slightly dehydrated, and then not being able to, to dehydrate as much as I normally do, I am positive uh, contributed to, to that situation. Yeah, and you bring up a great point because I think what we try to do as PACs, especially um, if we're doing an event like a CSOP or whatever, is we understand the importance of hydration uh, at the event, but we don't realize that you can't crash course it the day of or even hours before, or even the yeah. day before. Um, you know, the electrolytes, for instance, in our body, you know, we have reserves of that, and that takes time to build up. And so if you're going to be hydrating for a big event, that needs to happen weeks in advance and prepare your body so that it's not a crash course at the very end. And, and we've all fallen, you know, prey to this. I, I've done a handful of longer endurance style races where, I mean, just miserably cramped and so forth. And there's really not a lot you can do at the moment uh, mm. to, to, to make up for it because your body's just, you know, it's, it's in survival mode, which means it shuts down other things in order to, to restore what, they, what it considers is vital um, and, and good luck on trying to catch up on, on necessities like electrolytes and so forth. Yeah. So you got, um, you, you blacked out. Obviously, you probably heard um, post- so, so what have you heard from those involved? What, 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 what happened? I mean, obviously someone saw you and yeah. tell me a little bit, you know, between you blacking out and waking up in the hospital, what, what did they do to get you there? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Leprechaun, uh, is another great friend of mine here. He's, uh, it was doing the, the ruck with us. He, he's the one who kind of cued me in on, on uh, what was happening. I, it sounds like when he was coming in after the three mile ruck, uh, that's when it was all starting to kind of um, come to a head, if you will. So from what I've heard is that, uh, as I said, right? There, I think there was three or four uh, different movements that we were doing, six reps of 12 rounds, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and one of them was uh, Merkins, right? So we're doing, I'm here doing Merkins with my ruck on my back. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing Merkins. I think it was Merkins, but uh, I was doing mountain climbers. Now I could have that flip. I'm sorry, that 
the details are backwards. I was either supposed to be doing Merkins and I was doing mountain climbers, or I was supposed to be doing mountain climbers and I was doing Merkins, right? Obviously not the right thing to do. If you're familiar with those, they're completely different uh, movements. Uh, Cadre asked me what I was doing. Uh, and again, I don't remember any of this. Uh, I told him that I was doing the exercise that was prescribed. He, uh, he uh, reminded me what I was supposed to be doing and, uh, and told me to get back at it. And I immediately kept on, uh, went right back and doing the wrong exercise. Uh, so they said that after a couple of minutes of that, that they, they asked me what I was doing again. I repeated the, that I was doing the right exercises, even though I was doing the wrong exercise. Uh, and that's when they pulled me to start to question me on what's going on. So they pulled me up to the side. Um, they, he said that he asked who the president was, uh, right? And this is 2019. Uh, I told him George Bush. And, uh, and, and then he said, um, and, and I'm normally not too much of a, uh, an aggressive kind of personality, but apparently I was being very belligerent and very aggressive. The, agita the agitation yeah, part. I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was very mad, uh, casting these guys out. And uh, for those of us who know what these events are, right, these are special forces guys. I have a tremendous amount of respect for these guys. And I would not, uh, in my normal, when I talk to them, it's of the utmost respect. Uh, so for me to be uh, belligerent and aggressive to them is completely against my normal personality. Uh, so they said that he asked my, my name. And uh, he said that's when he recognized, this is the cadre telling me this part, this is when he recognized something was wrong because he said that he saw my face go from anger for me asking him from him from him asking me that question to uh confusion that i didn't know the answer and back to an anger again because i didn't know the answer to that so that's when they pulled me uh called the ambulance and apparently the ambulance has um was close enough this was kind of the first miracle that uh, it was close enough that they got to me uh to be able to take care of me again you know five minutes later i would have been dead uh, straight up, just uh, would have not be here at all. So, uh, so they got me in there. They got my core temperature started to get down. They uh, put me into an ice uh, a body bag with ice in it, and to try to get start to shock my temperature down. Uh, I, and I was at this point. I do remember this. Uh, I was in full on hallucinations. So uh, I, I had no idea what was going on, but uh, but just crazy, crazy uh, hallucinations. I've never done any of the, uh, you know, the, the, the fun drugs, but, uh, but what I went through was, uh, I remember some of them, but uh, it was something that I never want to go through again. Um, so uh, when I finally came to, so I think I went, started to black out about two o'clock that day. I finally came to about uh, 11 o'clock that night. My M was with me. Uh, Snoop Dogg is another guy that, uh, you know, that's another name that you'll have to, <laughs> tease out uh, but uh, he was there with my M uh, and they were uh, you know standing at my bedside and, and I remember waking up and them pointing to my the doctors pointing to my wife and me not knowing who she was but recognizing who she was she was right so even after I started coming out I was still dealing with a lot of this effects of confusion and uh, and just uh, and not knowing what's going on and miss memory loss and such like that so uh, I woke up, uh, my arms were bruised from where they were holding me down in the, in the, in the, in the solution to try to get me down. And then that's when I recognized what you were just talking about, right? My urine was, uh, it was, I call it Southern tea, right? I mean, it's a, it's a super dark, super, super dark, uh, that, uh, that bit. And, uh, that started my recovery from there on out. So. Yeah. So as far as recovery goes, um, what do they do specifically for you in the hospital? I mean, a lot of IVs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, uh, so as soon as I came to, they told me, uh, they started IVs immediately, uh, for one to try to flush those that, uh, I'm sorry, I already forgot what you said it was, uh, the, the, the ketosis. Oh, creatine uh, kinase. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, to start flushing that out as well as to, to rehydrate with me. Uh, they told me that they put, uh, I think they said they put uh, 12 liters of fluid in me in the first six hours. So they were wow. just shoving it into me as fast as they could. Uh, for one, you know, to help flush the system and two, to continue to press that body temperature down and rehydrate me as quickly as possible. 
Did you have to have, did you have to have dialysis too, or just fluids? Uh, they eventually did run dialysis on me to try to, cause my, those, those levels weren't coming down as fast yeah. as they wanted to. Uh, I think so that you were, you were a full fledged kidney failure. Yeah. I was a kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, I think they did dialysis on day three or day four of the, of the hospital stint. So that was the thing that finally pushed me over the edge to get, to get out of the, the rhabdo systems. Golly. So how many days were you in the hospital recovering? Five days in total. Golly. So five full days of, of recovery. So yeah, this is kind of what we were saying at the beginning, uh, Pax. This is not, not a joke. This is not something to play around with. Um, I've known a few Pax here locally in our region, uh, spent some time in the hospital. One was more severe than the other, but uh, it is certainly something that um, is life-threatening. It's nothing yeah. to kind of you know, pretend to go home and, and try to self-treat or, or whatever on your own. So tell me a little bit about the recovery process. I, you said this all happened in 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's been a few years. So how long did it take for you to kind of get out of the hospital? And let's just say um, post again or be part of a, a workout. Mm. That it's been a, it's been a long journey, right? And I'll still admit that I'm I'm still on that journey, trying to trying to get back to a hundred percent. So I was so as I said, it took me five days to get out of the hospital, and that was just a lot of you know just rest, uh, fluids being pushed, and then ultimately going into dialysis to to push me over the edge. When I got released, I was uh, essentially ordered for continued rest for the, the next two weeks. And then told to uh, w- withhold from any strenuous exercises for two to three months. So uh, uh, that was, uh, you know, that I, at that time, right? It didn't really hit me what it was, right? It took me a long time to finally connect the the reality of that situation because I remember getting just being like, "What? This is you, you? You want me to sit around for?" two months, right? I mean, come on, this is, I need to get back at it, right? Uh, Rhabdo had destroyed my body. I'd lost all my muscle mass and uh, I, I wanted to get back uh, to endurance events and, and all of that. Uh, so uh, when I got back, that's when reality finally hit. You know, that first day, I think it was, uh, so that was July. It was probably October, November timeframe when I went back. Um, I remember doing my first one and barely making it out of uh, just the, the warm-up circle before I was just trash. Uh, it, it hit me way harder than I had ever anticipated. Um, and uh, that was the point I realized how far I had slipped back or, or, uh, or how badly this had impacted me. And since then, right, that's uh, for three years now, it's been a, a constant trying to get back to it. Uh, since then, I've gotten a lot smarter on how to manage my body. So, you know, with anybody that's done a, a, that style, that heat stroke style, right? It's it's something that sticks with you forever, right? Uh, the the heat sensitivity is there for um, for the long haul. That, from what I understand, it will never really go away. I'll just continue to to manage it and have to be smart about it. But uh, since then, recovery has been. Uh, you know, I got my garment on my watch, uh, on my wrist all the time. I'm watching my heart rate all the time. I'm uh, paying attention to the, the temperature and self-selecting out of a lot of events that are during the uh, during the summer months and focusing on the events on the winter months. Uh, and, and then focusing on, hey, you know, sometimes I'm getting out there at about two o'clock in the morning to try to, to, to work out when it's not hot, when I got to do some, some crazy miles uh, for a marathon or a try or whatever out there. So the, the recovery has been a lot more of being much more strategic on how I do my work and when I do my work and, uh, and essentially how I get to that amount of work that I need to do to, to, to prepare for my next event. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad that you've stuck with it. And uh, I'm sure F3 played a big role in kind of keeping you in the fold and in the community as well. I mean, it sounds like... Oh, yeah. F3 guys were there even when you woke up in the hospital. Did I hear that correct? There was a guy yeah. at least with your M. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, a little bit about that. Just how has the guys, uh, you know, circled around you and how have they kept you engaged over the last few years um, with some of the limitations that you've had as far as posting? 
You know, it's uh, I can't ask for any more for that. Uh, it, it's it is um, they. So I will sometimes actually I did it this year, right? I signed up for an event that was the end of May, and I had probably about three of them come up to me and say, "Are you sure you should be doing this one?" I, I mean, we don't we don't want to be spending another mainly because they don't want to deal with my wife if I were to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Uh, but uh, but no, they're they're um, no, they, they do spend a lot of time uh with with me and understanding of that and frankly they are the ones that are getting up at that uh you know, robin hood is the, my training partner we, we seem to do a lot of these events together we're, we're both picking events that meet my my needs uh so they have uh they have been absolutely brilliant with dealing with me and those limitations and then also understanding when i say yeah, I, I can't do that one because of X or Y or whatever, right? And so uh, I can't ask of any more of that one. And uh, they've been just absolutely brilliant with it. Well, that's awesome, man. And because, you know, a lot of guys out there that probably go through this don't have an F3 culture or the guys around them mm-hmm. and, 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 and maybe just completely throw their hands up to fitness indefinitely because of the result yeah. of not having that support structure around them to kind of keep them motivated. So that's awesome that they've surrounded you and, and been part of that. Um, and I, I like what you said about just knowing your limitations and being smart with your decisions. And I think that's something that everyone can really take to heart because we're all built a little bit differently. We've all had different experiences. We all have certain limitations. And just because the guy next to you can do X, Y, and Z doesn't mean it's right for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important for PACS members to remember and geographically should, should, should consider as well. I mean, I know, you know, here in the Charlotte region, it can get super hot in the summer. In fact, um, the grow ruck here last August, um, really a lot of guys dropped within the first, you know, PT time because of the heat uh, intensity. And so those are things that you got to be aware of around your regions, Uh, you know, specifically down in Southern Texas, I can only imagine how hot it probably gets. And and, and to that point, you know, as a culture down there um, should probably put that into the the planning process when it comes to CSOPs and certain things. And Um, you know, either keep it in the evenings or at night or overnight during the summer months, or certainly kind of utilize some of those other months of the year um, where you have a little bit warmer temperatures uh, versus those guys up in Fargo, North Dakota. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's where you probably need to end up, uh, uh, you know, as far in the summer to keep the the temperatures (laughs) low for you. Uh, That way you're not as sensitive. But, uh, but that's a that's a good point. Because I think Sometimes we also need to be aware of that from our own training perspective. Don't go out there and push it like you do. And, you know, maybe early spring when the temperatures are are really cool, the same as you're going to do in late July, you know, Mm -hmm. just be smart about that training. I mean, even around here, you know, just the significant difference from low fifties in the morning to run to now in the seventies, you know, that same 10 K run, drains your electrolytes and your overall ability so much differently just with the temperature change. So hopefully guys, um, you know, will take that to heart and, and start listening to their bodies and more importantly, really be aggressive about hydration. I mean, there's one of the things I think we can really take away from this is the importance of hydration and being intentional about it and, and really making sure that, you're drinking, not just when you feel thirsty, because that's usually too late. If you already feel thirsty, that means you, you've already reached the point of dehydration. So constantly be sipping on that water, constantly be drinking. And if you know you're going to be doing an event, especially in the heat, that you really be intentional about hydrating lots and lots of those fluids prior to that. Um, and, and, and mineral and electrolyte um, you know, supplementation, especially in these warmer months. And that can be as simple as sprinkling some Himalayan sea salt in your water and sipping on that. That can really do well as far as rehydrating the body. Uh, If you don't want to purchase an electrolyte supplement, or unfortunately, some of those things out there have a bunch of other, you know, ingredients and chemicals in it that we may not want to to consume, but good old fashioned Himalayan sea salt sprinkled in some water, 
um, and, and really allowing that to be part of our hydration method uh, would be good. But uh, um, any other takeaway that you can think of as far as um, warning signs to the packs, um, anything that you want to kind of share with them around Rabdo that uh, um, you feel like uh, they need to know about? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Right. Uh, I think you, you summed it up perfectly, right. Uh, you know, the hitting on the hydration, uh, I think one of the, my, my greatest issues or problems that I caused myself was that I, I had recognized that the, that the heat was going to be an issue and hydration was going to be an issue. So I had actually put my electrolytes in my main bladder, uh, which looking back on it was a terrible, terrible decision. Uh, I know that's a, that's a bit of a, um, a, a radical statement that some folks believe that, uh, you know, having the electrolytes there constantly is a, is a good thing, but I found myself uh, getting just tired of that taste, right? I had three liters of electrolytes and I was just yearning for uh, just straight water. Uh, and so I, I found myself self-selecting out of, of that. I was forcing myself to drink water. It was no longer natural. I was having to be delivered about it. So, uh, you know, the, the hydration bit was uh, a lot of it. And, and uh, you know, the last bit of it is you pace yourself. You said it uh, perfectly. You know, in, in those go ruck events or even endurance events, we have uh, these, uh, there's, expectations put out there, but normally the expectations that we put on ourselves, especially, you know, the type A's that are, that are typically in F3, uh, they, they're so much uh, above the, the minimum requirements. So there's always wiggle room in there. You know, getting back to that rhabdo, I was out front. I was probably a good 30 to 45 minutes ahead of everybody, but I lost sight of that. And I just kept on charging as hard as I could into it to maintain that, uh, that in there. And if I had taken, you know, 10 minutes to, to catch my breath and get some water would I have been in a different situation? Probably so. So it, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a case for pacing uh, yourself in a, in a better state so for pacing myself in a better state to, to have prevented this from the get go. Yeah, I mean, those are good tips and I think uh, well stated. I, I like um, that you brought up the whole um, electrolyte in the, in the main water source. Cause I think that is a mistake that people make. They, they try, they think more is better and it's really not. I mean, to your point, you want good, clean water, but then from an electrolyte standpoint, you want that really in shots of, of, of more con heavier concentration, because that's really kind of how the body absorbs it a little bit better than that long monotonous drip of drinking because you know to, to, to get the same effect you're drinking that three liters when you could have taken eight ounces of a liquid and really kind of high you know uh power uh flush the system with some of those things and and so i think that was a a valuable point as well as you know the pace because i you know I, I think most of us are hard chargers and we sometimes have it in our mind that we can accomplish something at a certain level. And then when we're not performing that level, instead of taking that as a sign of recovery and rest, we instead push through it and say, hey, no, this is my standard. I'm going to keep pushing it through. I'm going to keep doing that. And that's when, you know, we get in trouble. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, it's pride, right? <laughs> and, yeah, and, and it, it, it's really kind of, uh, it's okay to back off. No one's going to, no one's going to care as long as, you know, it, it's best for you. And uh, I think that's a, a lesson we all can learn and, and take home. But, uh, well, KY, man, we can talk forever, but uh, I, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this thing up for the listeners here. But uh, before I do, and, and I do have a couple just final questions here. Um, and, and the first is this. Um, and you've shared tons of tips already, and, and, and maybe it's the same thing you want to reiterate, but uh, if you had three tips um, that you would give somebody on their own hunt for wellness, what would three tips be? Uh, a hydration strategy that makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, and you know, for me, that's including uh, taking some electrolytes every day. Uh, that's one. Second one, you, you hit it there perfectly, right? Pace yourself. At the end of the day, uh, you're running your own race. It's not a race against somebody else. Uh, so uh, be smart with your, with your, um, with your goals and then uh, pull that back. 
And I think the third one, right, and this is one that I've, uh, it's taken me too long. Uh, as I mentioned, my, my Garmin, uh, pay attention to your body, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of insights that can come. You don't have to have the fancy watch to be able to get this, but, uh, you know, pay attention to your body, right? You can feel your heart rate going. Use that as a, uh, as a, a an in the moment uh, gauge of how well you're going and, uh, and how things are progressing and such like that. So, uh, so don't, don't ride the edge too much because that edge can crash on you pretty quickly. Yeah, those are perfect, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing those. And so I do have one final question for you, but before I ask it, I just do want to take a few moments here and acknowledge you say thank you once again, uh, from my own, uh, perspective, as well as the perspective of the PACs, um, you, your willingness to kind of come and share your experience, uh, your near death experience and the vulnerability that takes, uh, I really appreciate it because I think this is going to really help a lot of guys out as especially these summer months are upon us and the heat is increasing and some of these CSOPs and crazy things that we all like to get part of. Um, I think it's a good uh, a reminder of what unfortunately can go extremely wrong and some of the, the mindset and things that we can, we can do um, to, to negate that like hydration and pacing and so forth. So thank you uh, once again for this. Uh, I really appreciate you. And um, if there was a guy or anyone that wants to follow up with you personally, maybe something about your story resonated with them, maybe they have some specific questions about something you mentioned. Um, do you have any uh, social media or channels or anything that we can uh, contact you by uh, if somebody was interested? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, primarily, uh, I have a Twitter one. I think it's uh, CWCheryl underscore KY. So it's uh, pretty easy to find me on um, on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, uh, yeah, same thing, uh, Chris Cheryl. So I think that's uh, that's an easy one. And I'm also on Facebook under the same thing. Uh, so obviously, would love uh, to, to help anybody out, uh, you know, give them my thoughts, or even if they're on the backside of that, that's what I've, what I've learned about dealing with it. So yeah, it's my gift. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a gift, but my calling to, to help keep this uh, evangelism going. Well, uh, we appreciate it. And, the, the, you know, I think you're doing what's what's right, which is, you know, taking your own experience and learning how to sh- serve others. And, and we appreciate it for you. So my last question for you, KY, is what is your definition of wellness? Ooh, that is a great question. So uh, my definition of wellness is uh, I, I subscribe to the functional fitness uh, um, mentality, right? It's not about, uh, it's not about you know, being the, having the biggest muscles or being able to run the furthest or such like that. Uh, I, I feel like being able to function in our day-to-day life, whatever it is there, right, is is what we truly are called, right? If it's picking up that bag of uh, dog food for the M out of the back of the minivan or, uh, or, or picking up the kids and having a good time with them or being able to coach the, the, the basketball game at the end of the day, right? So that's, it's wellness and uh, is being able to live the life that is being called at you that moment and not having to self-select out because you can't do it. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation's Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.